this is Steve with Life Worth Living. Have you ever had someone tell you that there's something different about you? I'll tell you what, it's a good feeling when you realize you're standing out in the crowd. And you know what? God wants you to be different. He wants you to look different, act different, talk different, and be different. And he wants other people to notice that. In fact, the very fact that Jesus lives in your heart, if in fact you've opened your heart to him, will mean that you are going to be different. Well, we're going to look at the Thessalonian church uh, in Acts 17. We see that, uh, give a little glimpse of the Thessalonians when they first started out as Christians. And then also in the two letters that Paul wrote to the Thessalonian church, uh, we find that they were different and we find out why they were different. So listen in and be blessed. But we're going to look at today um, what made the Thessalonians different. What made the Thessalonians different? God wants you to be different. Has anybody ever... Uh, said either to you or behind your back, there's something different about you. Have you ever been accused of that before? There's something different about you. Well, I tell you what, as Christians, people should notice that there's something different about us. We're not perfect, man. Don't, don't, that's not the difference. If you're trying to be perfect, it's never going to work. But God wants to make you different. And see, when you're different, you stand out, you, you shine different, you look different, you talk different, you act different. And so the Thessalonians, there was something different about them. And we want to look at what made them different today. Look with me, if you don't mind, at Acts 17, verses 1 through 4, I believe. And we're not going to read. There's just a little brief uh, set of events that we learn in Acts about these people in Thessalonica. I'm not going to be able to pronounce that in modern day Turkey. Let's read. When Paul and his companions had passed through Amphipolis and Apollonia, they came to Thessalonica where there was a Jewish synagogue. Now, if there was a Jewish synagogue in those days, that meant there was a, at least a group, a, a fairly significant group of, of Jews that lived in that city. And so they came to the synagogue, and as was his custom, Paul, the Apostle Paul, went into the synagogue, and on three Sabbath days he reasoned with them from the Scriptures. We're going to be looking at that quite a bit. He reasoned with them from the scriptures in verse three, explaining and proving that the Messiah had to suffer and rise from the dead. This Jesus I'm proclaiming to you is the Messiah, he said, or in other words, the chosen one of God. Some of the Jews were persuaded and they joined Paul and Silas as did a large number of God fearing Greeks and quite a few prominent women. So this, this was the kind of the genesis, the, the start of a new church in this, in this city, in this Roman colony. And so I'm going to give you the spoiler alert up front. I'm going to tell you what made the Thessalonians different and what can make you different as well. See, God wants you to be different, not in a weird way, not in an odd way. But maybe in a peculiar way, you know, you need to stand out because you got Jesus in your heart. At least I hope you do. 
you've invited the Lord Jesus Christ in your heart, you're going to be different. So here in 1 Thessalonians 3, verse 8, if you read, there's two books of the Thessalonians, the first letter that Paul wrote, and then very briefly, seems afterwards, he wrote them another letter. And throughout these two letters, we see what made them different was this. It's stated in this verse here in, in, in 1 Thessalonians 3.8. It says, For now we really live since you are standing firm in the Lord. They were standing firm in the Lord, and that is in fact was a difference maker for them. It made them stand out because they were standing firm in the Lord. So the question that we're going to ask today is how can you, how can you begin to stand firm in the Lord if you haven't been? How can you become a strong, steadfast Christian that doesn't waver just because you have a problem or two or just because you face a challenge? You can be strong and that's going to make you stand out in the crowd because I'll tell you, most people nowadays, whether Christian or non-Christian, are not very strong. They don't stand firm. They can't cope with life. All right. They give up easily, and God has called you to not be a quitter, not to be somebody who quits easily. So let's, let's rewind. Let's, let's look at these four verses a little bit more closely. When Paul and his companions had passed through these two towns, they'd come to Thessalonica. I don't know. I have trouble with that word. They came to the synagogue. And in those days, in this, those three Sabbath days, he reasoned with them from the Scriptures how can you become steadfast? Here's step one. You begin to reason from the scriptures. You begin to reason from the scriptures. What, is, what does it mean to reason? Oh, well, reason means you're logical. Christians are not illogical people. They're actually very logical, practical people. And you reason from the scriptures, you gain your logic from the scriptures, it measures up with your experience. You say, hey, you know what? The Bible must be right about this because my experience is lining up and it's just logical to me. Christians, good Christians should think with their heads. There's no such a thing in my mind as blind faith. Faith because, comes because you've seen something in God that's appealing to you and you, your eyes are opened. There's no such a thing as blind faith. Now, there are times when God says, go do this, be obedient, and understanding will come after you've obeyed me. All right? We don't always have to understand everything up front. But God wants you to think. He wants you to be logical. He wants you to have reason. He wants you to ask questions. The reason why the Bible is so vibrant to me is because I constantly have questions. I ask the question and I go into the word of God and I find my answers there. And I reason from the scriptures. I draw conclusions based on spiritual principles that I find in the Bible. There's a, a, a commentator of the Bible. In other words, a theologian who's written a, a lot of his thoughts, his or her thoughts of, of what the Bible means. And he says this. Doing this, being a reasoning individual, doing this is perhaps the most telling characteristic of a, of a growing Christian. What is a growing Christian? It's somebody who reasons from the scriptures. They think about what they're, and they put into practice what they read in the Bible. In fact, in Hebrews eleven nineteen, it said that Abraham reasoned that God could even raise his son from the dead. 
And I, I won't go into that whole story, but the point is, is Abraham reasoned. If Abraham reasoned, you should too. You should too. And that's going to make you a steadfast Christian. Somebody with blind faith is not going to last very long as a Christian. Because they're not, they're not going to understand what's going on. They're not going to try to, to understand God's ways. Be a reasoning Christian. So what is reasoning? Well, reasoning is kind of what ifs. Okay, not what ifs, excuse me. If thens. If this happened, then logically this is going to happen. All right? So if God did it once, then he can do it again. All right? If God interfered with Saul, this guy was coming to persecute the church, and he interfered with Saul and, and changed, turned Saul around, God can turn this country around as well. If then, if God healed me once, he can heal me again. If God provided for me once, he can provide for me again. If God helped me with that trouble, he's going to help me with this trouble. You reason from the scriptures. And see, that makes you a strong and steadfast human being, Christian, as it, would, as it were. If God turned Nineveh around, and I'm not going to tell you that whole story, God can turn this country around. If God has opened the last 10 doors in my life, maybe for your career, maybe for, for finding the person that you're going to marry, if God opened those doors, he can open the next door for you as well. So God wants us to reason, and God, in fact, reasons with us. In Isaiah 118, we find that God says through the prophet Isaiah, Come now, let us reason together, says the Lord. Though your sins be as scarlet, they shall be white as snow. Though they are as red like crimson, they shall be as wool. God wants you to be a reasoning person. That's going to make you be a steadfast person. We read on in 1 Thessalonians, uh, 1 Thessalonians 1, now we're in verse 3, we see that Paul reasoned with them through the, through, from the scriptures, and then it says he, ex, he was explaining and proving that the Messiah had to suffer and that he would be raised, he would rise from the dead. Explaining and proving. Again, God wants you to understand. He wants you to have a higher perspective. The Bible says God has not given you a spirit of timidity, but a spirit of power, of love, and of a sound mind. And let me tell you something, an insight I've gleaned recently. Sound mind means a high perspective. A sound mind is a divine heavenly perspective where you're you're pulled up from the middle of the mess that you're in the pit that you're in you're pulled up really high and you say oh i get it i understand why i'm going through this i see the path that god is bringing me through see god wants you to understand what do you need to get this divine perspective simply ask say god would you kind of pull me up from where i'm at Shake me off because I've been kind of drowning in my own whatever. And give me that godly perspective. He will do it for you. He will do it for you. He wants you to understand. God doesn't want you to be in the dark. We're in the dark oftentimes because we've chosen to be in the dark. But God can shine his heavenly light and show you where you're at. See, he wants to explain and prove things to you. And I've found this happens often. God will tell me a little bit in advance, hey, this is, 
this is about to happen or these changes are about to happen. And then he proves that what he told me was going to happen is in fact, this my experience lines up with God's promises with what God is trying to show me. And so every time, look at this, God wants to address every argument that attacks your godly logic. We have arguments rattling around in, in this little, these little brains of ours, arguments that tear us down, that break us down, and, and we start doubting God, and we start fearing because we have an argument in our head. But God wants you to use reasoning from the scriptures to counteract the arguments that are going on in your head. What are some of these arguments? Well, that you're not good enough. That could be an argument that's in your head. You could have an argument in your head that you're never going to amount to anything. You could have an argument in your, in your head, oh, oh, you're gay, you know. An argument in your head that God wants to dismantle by reasoning from the scriptures, right? God wants to dismantle these arguments in your head and set you free. You could have an argument in your head, hey, I'm, I'm going to be sick the rest of my life. I'm going to be incapacitated the rest of my I'm going to be, I'm never going to be able to move ahead in my career, in my job. I'm never going to have, find my soulmate. And God says, you know what? I'm going to dismantle that argument through reasonings from the scripture. And I want to show you kind of how that works. In 1 Corinthians, 2 Corinthians 10 verses 5, 4 through 5, we read, we read that the weapons of our warfare are not of the flesh, but have divine power for the destruction of fortresses. We are destroying arguments. We are destroying arguments. God wants to destroy those arguments that are in your head and set you free. The Bible tells us that whom the Son has set free is free indeed. Free indeed. So every argument needs an explanation. It needs a proof. And I've told this one before. I used to have an argument in my head. Your marriage isn't going to last. You're going to end up divorced. You know, that argument was just always in my head until one day God came with his reasoning from heaven and shot down that argument. And it's been gone ever since. It's been gone ever since. So the same goes with temptations. Temptations are just arguments. They're, they're reasonings uh, from the enemy that need to be addressed through reasonings from the scriptures. Let's look at Matthew 4, and I'll give you some examples here. The tempter, that's the devil, came to Jesus. Um, there, he was there in the wilderness 40 days, 40 nights. He hadn't eaten. He was obviously very hungry. If you are the son of God... The devil told Jesus, command these stones to become bread. You see, that was an argument. And every temptation that you face is an argument. It's something that the enemy just drops a seed that he drops into your head. And, and so we see how Jesus dealt with this. Jesus answered and said, it is written, man shall not live on bread alone, but on every word that comes out of the mouth of God. You see, that was a reasoning from the word of God. And the difference here is, is oftentimes we think we can use the word of God to fight the enemy without understanding the word of God. But in order to use the word of God effectively, 
you've got to get it in your heart, in your, in your mind, and in your heart. You've got to believe it. And I found that more and more, the more I believe the word of God, the more effective it is for fighting off arguments that might be attacking my mind. Jesus believed that in fact, he didn't live on bread alone. He lived on every word that came from the mouth of God. And when you start believing that, you're going to be able to fight off many of the arguments that that attack your mind. Here's the next one in verse 5 of Matthew 4. Then the devil took him, along, uh, uh, took him along into the holy city and had him stand on the pinnacle of the temple. And he said to them, if you are the son of God, throw yourself off for it is written. You see, the devil knows his Bible just as well as you do, probably better. And he used a scripture against Jesus. He said he will give his angel orders concerning you. And on their hands, they will lift you up so that you do not even strike your foot against a stone. There was an argument from the Bible. Have you ever had an argument from the Bible? Terrorize you, terrify you, rip you down, tear you up? I have. Bet you guys have too. But look, Jesus said, on the other hand, it is written, you do not put your Lord, the Lord your God to the test. He reasoned from the scriptures to effectively destroy that argument. I'll give you a third one. Then the devil took him along up to a very high mountain, showed him all the kingdoms of the world and their glory. And he said to them, all of these I will give to you if you will fall down and worship me. It was an argument. And Jesus said to him, go away, Satan, for it is written, you shall worship the Lord your God and serve him only. He reasoned from the word of God and beat the argument. You got to know your Bible in order for this to work. You got to read your Bible for this to work. You got to come and set aside your preconceived ideas and notions and say, you know what? The Bible says this. I'm not sure I fully get it, but my bias is this. I'm going to let go of my bias and I'm going to pick up the word of God and I'm going to start reasoning from scriptures the way that I should. And you see here that the devil left him and behold, angels came and began to attend him. See, all of these arguments were destroyed in one fell swoop by reasoning from the scriptures. And this made Jesus steadfast and strong, just as Jesus can make you steadfast and strong as well. You need to be different by being strong in spirit, strong in the Lord, strong in the word, strong, strong in God. Stop being strong in yourself is what I'm trying to say. That's not going to make you different. Everybody else out there in the world is trying to be strong in themselves. You be strong in Jesus. So we need to listen and accept the reasonings and the assurances that God gives us. In Isaiah 26, verse 3, we we, we read this, and I love this scripture. You will keep in perfect peace those whose minds are steadfast. Steadfast in what? Steadfast in the reasonings of God that come from the Bible. Steadfast in those reasonings. If your mind is steadfast there, you're going to have perfect peace and you are going to be able to trust in God instead of trusting in yourself. So we stand firm by reasoning in the scriptures, by listening to the Holy Spirit and his explanations and proofs that he gives us. And then we do what these Jews did, and a a lot of Greeks, we're persuaded and we join God. 
You're never going to be able to stand strong until you join yourself to God and say, you know what? From this day forward, I'm following Jesus. I'm not going to follow my own desires. I'm not going to follow my own tendencies. I'm not going to follow my own feelings. I'm going to follow Jesus. You make that decision and God says, all right, now you're serious. I'm going to be serious with you as well. We're going to be serious together. And that's when your life starts changing. I can tell you that just from pure experience. The, the times in my life where I just kind of flip-flopped and waffled and kind of went, went, went with my feelings and I went with what I learned from the Bible, I, I, I wasn't steadfast. But when I made my decision, I said, you know what, from this day forward, I'm going to serve God. God got serious with me and I've been a lot stronger as a result of that. Join yourself. Be persuaded of what I'm telling you today. Some of you are listening to me right now and you're not persuaded. You've already got a hang up. You're already thinking, oh, no, 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 this is, this is how I feel. The, you, Steve, you just stepped on my toes. You said X, Y, and Z, and I don't agree with you. And you're waffling already. <laughs> you're waffling. Don't do that. Say, you know what, from this day forward, I'm setting my biases, my, my feelings, my thoughts aside, and I'm going to do what God wants me to do. Make up your mind who you're going to serve. Say, from this day forward, as for me and my house, we're going to serve the Lord. Make up your mind. Make up your mind. Say, enough's enough. Enough's enough. I'm not going to let my tendencies dictate what I'm going to do. I'm not going to let what I've, I've you know, bought hook, line, and single, singer from, from what I've read or the media or what some group of people say. No, no, no. I'm going to start believing what God has to say. Yes. You know, the gospel is not watered down. The gospel is in your face. It confronts you. It, it challenges you. It, it tells you to, to change and we've got to come to grips. Am I going to follow Jesus or am I not going to follow Jesus? Make up your minds. Make up your minds. Well, when these people did, they were persuaded, they joined God, and they were different as a result of it. They were steadfast. Some of you have an argument up in your head. Steve, I've tried that several times and I keep failing. I keep falling. I, I can't do it. You know what? You know why that is? It's because you've tried to do it in your own strength. Don't, you can't do this stuff in your own strength. You've got to say, God, I need your help. <laughs> I need you to help me. And you know what? When you start reaching out for God's help, he is going to help you. He's going to help you. Is it a daily battle? Absolutely. <laughs> Life is a daily battle, right? You're going to fight either way, you know? Fight for eternity, for crying out loud. Fight for eternity. First Corinthians, excuse me, First Thessalonians chapter 1, verse 3. Look at this. This was, this was another aspect of their steadfastness. And, and I wish we could talk more about a couple more things. But j just these two things. First Thessalonians 1, 3. Um, Paul has written a letter to the Thessalonians probably years later. And he recalls, he re remembers uh, unceasingly before God and, and his father, look at three things. He remembers their work energized by faith. These people were different, man. 
they got things done. And when you look up the Greek meaning of this word work, it means accomplishment. It means productivity. It means having kind of like a a self-motivation inside of you. There's, you know, I've, I've managed people and you've probably managed people before. And the goal in management supervision is to get those people to want to do their work without you telling them to do it, to be self-managed that that's the most glorious place to be in an organization, a company, whatever you're working on is when you see a group of people doing what they need to do without you telling them to do what to do. That's a great place to be as a boss, as a manager, as a, as, as a business owner. Well, this word, work, means accomplishment. And these, these, these Thessalonians, they were energized by faith and they got things done. Have you ever gotten to the end of the day and you said, what did I even get done today? You know, <laughs> did I get anything done? You know, I wish I would have gotten this done. I planned to do this and I didn't get anything done. Well... Let me tell you what, when you have faith in God working in your life, you're going to be highly productive. You are going to accomplish a lot of stuff and it's going to feel good. In fact, the Apostle Paul spoke of of the fact that his competence came from God. We need to be competent. We need to be good at what we do. All right. Our competence comes from God. And let me tell you what, we need to be energized by faith to get things done, to accomplish things. So this is this is one reason why they were steadfast. They didn't get energized from an energy drink or, or drinking an espresso in the morning. They didn't get energized from from self looking good or anything. They got energized from faith in God. You know what needs to get you up in the morning and going is faith in your God. That's going to get you fired up every day and you're going to get out there and get things done. Here's the second thing that contributed to their steadfastness. It says he remembered also their service motivated by love. You see the first kind of adjective is, is energized now motivated, motivated by love. All right, a lot of people are motivated by ambition. They want to look good. They want to be recognized. They want to be praised. Well, here these people were motivated by love. Love for two two entities, loving God and loving people. Loving God and loving people. Do you love the people you work with at work? Do you love the family, even extended family? that you know and, and deal with on a daily basis, be motivated by love. Now, it's interesting that this word service in the Greek is speaking to to- toiling. In other words, working hard, working until you are exhausted. Were any of you exhausted this last week in your work? All right. I'll tell you what. What keeps you going or what should you keep, keep you going is love. It motivates you. It gets you up in the morning and says, you know what? I know today might be a hard day, but the love of God is going to keep me cranking through the rest of this day. You're motivated by love and that keeps you steadfast. That keeps you going. All right. And then the third thing here that Paul remembers is this unwavering hope of the return of Jesus. Man, I'll tell you what. Have you ever been hopeless before? Think of a time when you were in the pit of despair and hopeless. All right. Now, think of a time when you had just a glimmer of hope and you're like, wait a second. I think I can do this. 
Wait a second. I, I think it's going to be okay. We might actually get here. I might see a light at the end of the tunnel and it's not a train coming down the tracks. It's a light at the end. of. The, I've got some hope. You see, you don't appreciate hope until you don't have it. Hope is essential for life. As soon as you're hopeless, it's over. <laughs> We've got to have hope. And so it says this unwavering hope. And one, one version says it, it, it inspires us. Hope inspires us. And I tell you what, whenever I'm hopeless, I say, God, please give me some hope. Please give me some hope. And that is one prayer that God answers very quickly. If you need hope, say, God, give me, give me some hope. And God will pour an extra dose of hope in you and you will be inspired to endure, to persevere, to be steadfast, to keep on going without quitting. And so these are some other aspects that we see that made the Thessalonians different that set them apart. And the last one that I'll just mention here in 1 Thessalonians 3, verse 3, I'll just read it. Uh, there's a couple of verses. It says, so when we could stand it no longer, this is the Apostle Paul writing to the Thessalonians because he was worried about them. We thought it best to, uh, to be left by ourselves in Athens. And we sent Timothy, who's our brother and our co-worker in the Lord's service, in spreading the gospel of Christ to strengthen and encourage you in your faith so that no one would be unsettled by these trials. For you know quite well that we, we are destined for them. What? That's hopeless. <laughs> you just told me we're destined for trials. We're destined for difficulties and troubles and problems. In fact, when we were with you, the Apostle Paul says, he says, we kept telling you that we would be persecuted. And it turned out that way, as you well know. And if, if you read the Thessalonian letters, you find out in the little story in Acts as well, you find out they were persecuted. They were, some of them probably were put in prison. Some of them may have lost their jobs. Their relationships were impacted. Their finances were impacted because they were Christians and they were forewarned that that would be the case. And here's what I want to tell you today. If you want to be steadfast, you've got to come to grips in your mind that you will always have problems in your life. You always have problems. I think Christians, we, we begin to think, you know what? I'm a Christian, therefore I have no problems. <laughs> and that's just not true. You will always have problems, but here's the good news. God is going to deliver you from every single trouble you have. And then there'll be a new batch. <laughs> and then you'll get victory over those. And then there'll be another set of problems. And you say, well, that's hopeless. No, that's victorious living. The Bible says we go from glory to glory. We go from mountain peak to mountain peak, not from valley to valley. God wants to give you victory, but you're going to continue to have troubles because we just live in an imperfect world. It's just not perfect here. This is not heaven. It never has been and it never will be. This is not heaven on earth. Sometimes it's kind of hell on earth to be honest with you, right? But you know what? God gives you the victory in all your troubles. The Bible tells us in um, uh, Psalms 34, it says, many are the troubles of the righteous, but it is the Lord that delivers him out of all of them. God's going to deliver you. The problem you're in right now, you are going to get through it 
It's going to be over. You're going to dust your hands and it's going to be finished. You'll turn around and another one's going to sock you in the face. I'll tell you what, that's what it takes to be a steadfast and firm Christian is realization. You're always going to have troubles, but God is going to help you through every single one of them. Does that make sense? Amen. Are you going to be a strong, steadfast Christian? Make up your mind. Make up your mind now. Yeah, I'm going to be strong and steadfast with God's help. I'm going to stop whining. I'm going to stop complaining. I'm going to start stop throwing my hands in the air and say, oh, man, I'm the only one. No, you're not the only one. We're all that way. We all have struggles. We all have tri- trials and difficulties. But God is with you. God is with you. And a far harder way of living is the life of what the, call, God, the Bible calls the transgressor. The way, the Bible says this, the way of the transgressor, the person who's not living for Jesus, is hard. That's what the Bible says. The way of the transgressor is hard. I don't want that life. <laughs> I want a life with Jesus where he's helping me through every single trial and trouble that I might have. Let's, let's pray. Let's pray.